Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus is God, not somebody else? Amen. You can be seated. I tell you what, we got an awesome God. What a great God. We could be serving a bad God, a mean God. But, and sometimes he's represented that way, but we're here to tell you the good news. And that is that we've got a good God who loves you. And God loves us more than we could ever understand. Thank you, Jesus. That's just awesome. You know, this week, I believe that the Lord laid on my heart to just teach on the subject of healing. And so I'm going to devote this entire uh, Gospel Truth Seminar to the subject of healing and be sharing a lot of things about it. I know that some people are really blessed because you need healing. Other people may be disappointed, but you know what? I can promise you, if you don't need healing now, just keep breathing and you will. And if you don't need healing yourself, there's other people who do need it. And Jesus ministered more healing than he did anything else. And he even said in Mark chapter 2 that the reason he was healing this man who was let down through the roof was so that they would know he had power on earth to forgive sins. And then he turned and healed the man. So Jesus used healing like a bell to draw the crowds to him. And so I know that, you know, different people come with different needs. I'm teaching on television right now about grace and faith. And I know that those teachings about the grace of God just set people free and people love it. And people come wanting me to minister on a certain thing. But I think that this is what God has led me to minister on. And like I said, whether you need healing right now or not, you know somebody that does, you will eventually need it. And the time to learn about healing is before you need it. And Jesus used healing to reveal the goodness of the Father and to show the mercy of God. And he used it and it drew people. And I tell you, we need to see the power of God in manifestation. The body of Christ needs to be producing the word, not only in word, but also in power and demonstration of the Spirit. So I really believe that this is what God has led me to minister on. And I believe that it's going to see uh, some great miracles. In our last few meetings, we've had um, tremendous miracles. I forget what all they are, but I know in, uh, over this summer, we had five people that were healed of multiple sclerosis and were in wheelchairs and up walking. And uh, we've seen multiple sclerosis healed and blind eyes open and great miracles. And most of this happens uh, through the prayer ministers, not through me. And this is one of the things that I love about what God is doing in my ministry right now. You know, I love praying for people, and I'm not discounting that, but I can only pray for so many people. And if a person just uh, takes everything upon themselves and it's all going to come through me, eventually I'm a failure because I'm not going to last forever. Amen. <laughs> you know, all of us, we've got to be training replacements. And one of the things that has just thrilled me is that we are seeing other people receive these truths. And most of these miracles that we're seeing now are coming through the people who pray for other people. And I, I really have seen that it's not an individual. I don't have a gift of healing. As far as I know, I'm not going to discount that. If God wants to reveal it to me, I'd love to receive it. But I'm saying I don't have a gift of healing. I was talking to Oral Roberts this summer and, and we asked him a question. And he says, you know, he doesn't know if he has a gift of healing or not. 
I was really surprised by that. He says, I just prayed in faith and look at what God's done through him. You know what? As far as I know, I don't have a gift of healing. I just pray and believe. And I found out I can teach other people how to do this and we're seeing great, great miracles happen. So if you need a miracle, I believe you're going to receive your miracle. And if you don't have a problem, praise God, you need to get a revelation on this. And I can guarantee you, people around you are hurting. And I'm not going to try and make a political statement by this, but you can take it for what it's worth. But if we ever do get national health care, you're going to need to know how to believe in healing. Amen. I can promise you that's true. I've been over in England and one of my employees, his wife was waiting on gallbladder surgery for two years because it wasn't a high on the priority. And she suffered for two years and finally had to go get it through private stuff. And I have never been over there that I haven't had people come up and say they've been waiting for two, three, four, five years for an operation that you could get here and nothing flat. You need to learn how to believe God for healing. Amen. You need to do it whether we have national health care or not. But if things go the way they're looking, you're going to really need to know how to get healed. Amen. I'd like to ask Ashley and Carly Terradez to come up here. And these are the parents of this little girl, Hannah, who got healed. And I just wanted them to give their testimony quickly. This was something that just really blessed me. And, uh, you know, I'm the one that led the prayer. But these two right here are the ones that believed God. And there's a reason why some people see the healing coming. I tell you, it wasn't just me praying. They got hold of the Word of God. They believed God. And they got an awesome testimony. I just thought it would build you up to hear it. So share with them about what God's done for you. Okay. My name's Ashley, and this is my wife, Carly. And I'll let her go first because I can't pronounce the disease that my daughter had, so she has to do that bit. Can you all understand him? We speak very slowly. We're in Texas now. This is my turf. You can't make fun of me. Do I need to this is the right way to talk. This is the way that Jesus talked. So can I speak English or Texan then? The Texan. Okay. It's not English. It's Texan. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, well, Hannah's been... She's, she's coming up for seven now. She'll be seven in January. Um, but she was healed when she was three and a half. And... Um, she was given probably a few days to live by the time we got to the conference. Uh, she started really, she had a disease called eosinophilic enteropathy, which is what I actually can't pronounce in Texan or English. Um, <laughs> but that basically meant that she was born with a, um, a genetic condition, which is an autoimmune disease. And essentially, it's just the body, her body couldn't pro- process protein in food, which is in everything. So everything that we fed her poisoned her. And we didn't know this. It's a very rare intestinal disease, and we didn't know this when she was born. Um, but shortly after, she, after birth, she started developing feeding problems. And she would be in constant pain. She would vomit everything she had. She could never swallow um, whole food or really anything thicker than a puree in a very small amount without just turning blue and vomiting everything. Um, and then she would just constantly wake. She never slept through the night. She would wake up like every hour through the night. So she was three and a half and had never slept through the night. And we just had to watch as parents. I mean, the doctors really didn't have any plan for how to treat this disease. I think at the time they said there were maybe 14 other cases that they'd ever heard of. And uh, 
they just told me, they gave me the name on a piece of paper and told me to go research it on Google. They didn't really know anything about this disease. So um, there wasn't any treatment for it. There wasn't any drugs for it. We couldn't even give her pain medicine because she was allergic to everything. So we just watched her basically shrink and starve to death and all her hair fell out. And she couldn't, she couldn't play and run like normal children. And in the end, she would just kind of lay on the sofa and, and just kind of wriggle in pain. And, and that was just her life. She didn't really have any quality of life. So eventually the doctor said there is one thing that we could do. We could insert a feeding tube directly into her stomach and try to pump her um, 24 hours a day. She wore this special backpack with a feeding tube into her stomach and it fed her a really synthetic formula. And the idea was that it would kind of um, ex not really extend her life but give her some nutrition that she could possibly absorb. Um, you know, it was a real hit and miss kind of thing. They didn't have a B plan. Um, so by the time we got to the conference, we were a little way down the track, and, and really there really wasn't any hope. The doctors had sent her home to the, from the hospital and said, take her home for a little while, and, and we didn't realise until afterwards, but they basically sent her home to die. And so, she was, she was uh, three and a half, and what she was size was she? Wasn't she? she was wearing nine, the, the clothes for a nine-month-old baby. Nine-month-old clothes at three and a half years. Yeah. She was uh, just decimated by this disease. So two weeks before they sent her home, um, basically to die, the doctors told her they sent her home to die. Um, two weeks before that, um, someone gave us a little white cassette tape. Okay, you, you probably know the one I mean. A little white cassette tape. And we were, me and my wife had been born again um, around about 12 years by then. We were spirit-filled. We loved the Lord. You know, we were, we were up for it for God. We believed in healing. But you know what? No one said that God wanted my daughter well. No one said God's a loving father and he wants to heal every time. No one said I had authority as a believer. And everyone we spoke to, they said, well, sometimes God heals, sometimes he doesn't. We got this white tape and it was awesome. It had a little Texas accent on it. I think it was like 1982 you taped that tape. And it had been sat, it had been sat in actually Carly's mother's drawer, the back of a drawer for 15 years. And it had been sent over from England. We, um, we put that tape on and we started to hear about how much God loved us, how much God loved my daughter, how much he wanted my daughter well. And uh, we went on the website, uh, Andrew's website, and we could download all this teaching free of charge. So for the next two weeks, we went on a crash course of the Word of God and we just downloaded as much teaching as we could. I had it on my uh, stereo. Carly had it in the hospital with Hannah on the iPod. And we just listened over and over to all these teachings that Andrew's got out there free of charge. We just listened to them all. And um, I said, I wonder if ever Andrew's ever in England, because I'd like Andrew to pray for. If Andrew's in England, you know. So we, uh, I checked on the website, and it said the 16th of March, 2006, was the first uh, conference in England. And I looked, and it was the, day, the next day. Today was the 15th of March. I thought, this has got to be the Lord. So we, they sent her home to die. We, we, didn't, we didn't take her home. We just put her in the car. We drove up three hours, I think, which is a, a big deal for an Englishman. Three hours is like across right. country. <laughs> it's That's it's right. like the other side of the world. So we drove three hours up, up the country, and, um, and uh, what happened was it was at the conference, and she was so ill she had to be out in the cry room uh, with the babies because she was crying so much. And um, we never got a chance for Angela to pray for her because she was in so much pain. But we, left, we took her out to the, to the cry room, to the creche, and um, someone said, well, we can get Andrew to come back into the room and pray for her. So uh, she was asleep at the time. Andrew came back with Jamie, and uh, we just told him everything. We said, this is the deal, and just splurted out all this, what was wrong with her. And up until then, people had said, 
oh, you know, that's a big deal. And, and people have been, you know, Christian leaders and that, this is, this is a big problem. But Andrew just smiled and he just said, well, this is a piece of cake for Jesus. And um, that really lifted our faith. Amen. That really lifted our faith. And we thought, wow, you know, he really believes it. And we believed it because we'd been listening to that, this, this message for two weeks solid. We'd, we must have listened to hours and hours of teaching. We believed it as well. And Andrew prayed for her. And when Hannah woke up, she was in her stroller. And when she woke up, we just looked at her and we said, Hannah, when you was asleep, Jesus healed you. And she just smiled and she said, well, I want to eat. I want to eat. And she'd never asked to eat in her life because eating to her was pain. Eating to her was problems. She'd never, ever swallowed lumps of food. She was, up until that point, she had to drink water only because she had this backpack on feeding her this special synthetic stuff. So I said, what do you want to eat? She said, McDonald's. So, so I drove around looking for McDonald's. We couldn't find a McDonald's, but we found a KFC. And she went into the KFC, and for the first time in my life, she just grabbed some chicken and started eating it and swallowing it. Ate fries, swallowed it, brownies, milkshake, ice cream. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know, you know that was um, coming up for four years ago now, and... Um, She's, since that day she was prayed for, since that day we told her she was healed, she's never had any doctor's treatment, she's never had any medication, she's had the tube removed, she's never been ill once, and now she's, now she's six and a half years old, she goes to a state school, she got a teacher saved the other day, and um, she goes to a state school, you know, she's a normal little girl, she's absolutely perfect, she's running around, her hair's grown back, she's putting on weight, she's still pretty short, but uh, we're not the tallest. But you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with her. And when the doctors checked her out, six months later, they finally gave up looking for something because they couldn't find anything. And they finally said, six months after, they said, you know what? They said, you're perfect, Hannah. We can't find one thing wrong with you. You are perfect. This is a miracle. And Hannah said, yeah, I know I'm perfect. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I've, I've just got to say, while I'm up here, and take the liberty that... You know, that little white tape was sent over to England free of charge. Okay, we went on the website and we listened to hours and hours. God wants you well, a better way to pray, believers' authority, body, soul, and spirit. It goes on. We listened to all this teaching, okay, and that was all made free of charge. There was no, that tape got into our hands because it was a free tape. That teaching got into our ears, got into our spirits because of the, it, was, it was free downloads from the internet. So if you are a partner, which I know so many of you are, Okay, I just want to, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts, because let me tell you, this is the facts now. If we didn't have that teaching available to us, our, our daughter wouldn't be here today. So I just, if you're a partner with this ministry, I want to thank you from the bottom of my Amen. heart. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you all. Praise the Lord. Man, I want to thank you partners too. You know, we have about, I think it's 52 or 53% of all of the people that contact us don't send anything and they get our materials free. And we provide them that way. We encourage people to give, but, but the majority don't give. And our partners are the ones who enable us to do that. And we've put out, I don't even know, I quit counting it, six million books, tapes, CDs, DVDs. I don't know how many millions we've put out, but our partners have enabled us to do that. And so thanks for our partners. Man, every time I see Hannah, she is just the happiest little kid. She is full of life and she just bounces around. And I've never seen her that I don't think about. You know, if it hadn't been for Jesus, that little girl would, wouldn't be here today. What a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, Nikki Weller 
wouldn't be with us today. I hope she's going to be able to come and give her testimony. But you know what? God wants us well. To me, I think it is really damaging to the body of Christ, to the cause of Christ, to separate healing from the atonement of Jesus and make it a separate thing that God can do, but you never know if He wants to do it. You know, my dad died when I was 12 years old, and he was a deacon in a Baptist church and loved God, but we weren't taught about healing. We weren't taught that it was God's will. We were taught that God could heal, but not that He wanted to heal or did. And so because of it, we prayed. I remember I was 11 when my dad went into the hospital and he was in a coma for months. And I prayed and I did everything I knew. I believed that God could have healed him, but I didn't have any confidence or faith that He would heal him. It was just desperation, praying. And when my dad died, you know, praise God, it didn't make me bitter. I don't know why. I just didn't respond that way. But I could tell you, I have seen hundreds and hundreds of people that have tried to believe God for something. And because they didn't have the understanding and the, and the correct doctrine, uh, they saw a person die. And it's turned so many people against the Lord. And I tell you, this is an area that we're all dealing with. Everybody in here has had sickness or has sickness or knows somebody that has or will need healing in your body. And if you can't appropriate the healing power of God, then I can guarantee you sooner or later it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your relationship with God. You'll think about why, if God loves me, did He let this happen? And you need to find out the truth and get set free in this area. And I believe that if we were to start walking more in the divine health of God, that it would make a huge difference on our witness. One reason that we have so many people today who believe that there's a God and at one time pray and they go through the motions and they get quote unquote born again, but then there's no evidence in their life to tell whether or not they're truly serving God. I believe one of the reasons that happens is because as a whole, the body of Christ has presented Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins so that you won't die and go to hell. It's all future tense. There isn't that much benefit in this life. And so a lot of people, the message that they're hearing is repent or else, turn or burn, believe so that you won't go to hell. And once they confess Jesus as their Lord, the reason they did it is so that they could get an insurance policy and not go to hell. But they don't have it presented that Jesus is alive and wants to move in your life now. And so people lose their interest. They just they want to keep their salvation and keep a relationship with God, but they really don't see that the Lord is there for everything in their life. Sometimes they believe that the Lord is there just for the big things. If you've got cancer, maybe you could pray over that, but headaches, colds, arthritis, just natural things, getting a little bit older, you, they haven't been taught to believe in this, and yet Jesus died for your sickness just as much as he died for your forgiveness of sins. The Lord doesn't want you to be sick any more than he wants you to go commit adultery or lie or steal. And I know what I just said is like a huge leap for most people. Most people think, oh man, I can't even believe you're putting those things in the same category. I could show you a dozen verses right now. Let me just quote a couple of them out of Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And uh, I just messed up the second verse. But the third verse says, Who 
who forgives all of your sins, who heals all of your diseases. It puts forgiveness of sins and the healing of your body in the exact same verse. And there's many other scriptures that do that. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. That puts the forgiveness of sins and healing of your body in the same verse. Of course, that is quoting from... Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5, where verse 4 talks about that he bore our sorrows and carried our griefs. And Jesus quoted that in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. And he substituted the words sicknesses and infirmities for what Isaiah said, sorrows and griefs. And then in verse 5, Isaiah 54, verse 5 says, By his stripes we were healed. There's just so many verses that put healing and forgiveness of sins together. And you know, in our Bible school, I make a whole teaching on this. I'm just going to mention this. I won't uh, focus on it that much tonight. But I tell them that if you get to the same, if you get the same attitude that you won't tolerate sickness any more than you would tolerate sin, then you'll start walking in healing. But you know, there's a lot of people that when it comes to sickness, oh God, please heal me of this. But if you don't just feel completely well, and if it doesn't something just happen and take it away, most people just feel like, well, I'm only human and that this is the way it is. And after all, I'm over 30, I'm over 40. You start embracing it and expecting it. And in a sense, you kind of just embrace sickness. If you were to approach sin that way, if you were to you see somebody and all of a sudden you lust for them and you say, well, Father, I don't want this. Take it away if it's your will. And if you still have a thought, well, then you just, well, I might as well go ahead. I'm only human. You know, if that's the way you approach sin, you wouldn't be very well in sin. You would be uh, overcome by sin. We need to recognize that you need to get to where you hate sickness the same way that you hate sin. I'm not saying that for you to be sick, you're in sin, but I'm saying that sickness is a result of sin. It is not God's will for anybody. It is God's will for every one of us to be well. And it doesn't come to pass automatically. We have to pursue it. And you have to overcome a lot of thoughts, a lot of things to be able to walk in supernatural health. So anyway, this is what we're going to minister on, and I think that this is going to help you. Let me just start by saying this, that the word sozo is used 300 and something times in the uh, New Testament. I don't know the exact number, but the word sozo is the word that's translated saved hundreds of times in the New Testament, but it's also translated healed. It's also translated made whole, talking about the woman who had the issue of blood. And if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And the next verse says in Mark chapter, where would that be? Mark chapter 5, that uh, when she touched the hem of his garment, she was made whole. That's the exact same word sozo that's talking about saved. It's the same thing when it applies to healing. Look at this verse over in James chapter 5. And this is an instruction that we were given when somebody is sick. In James chapter 5 and in verse 15, or let me just back up and read verse 14. It says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church 
and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. That word is sozo. It's the same word that is used for forgiveness of sins. The prayer of faith will save, sozo, heal the sick. And there's just a lot of other examples I could give, but if you study the word out, the very word that is used for salvation is also used for the healing of our bodies. Jesus provided healing for our bodies at the exact same time that he provided forgiveness for our sins. The Lord does not want you to be sick any more than he wants you to be in sin. He provided healing for us. And the reason that I think it's absolutely essential to start from here when we teach on healing is because all of you that are here on a Thursday night, it's because you believe God can heal. If you didn't believe God could heal, you wouldn't be out here on a Thursday night. You aren't the nod to God crowd. You're a fanatic. Or you were drugged here by a fanatic. You believe... You believe that God can do anything and you're, you're looking for more and that's, you aren't content with just being a nominal Christian. You're, you're wanting to see the power of God. You believe that God can heal. But you know what? There is a huge leap between believing God can heal and believing that God wants to heal every person every time. There is a huge gap between that. And you know, one of the scriptures that is just a uh, uh, foundational scripture on the subject of faith is Mark chapter 11, verse 24. And it says, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall, future tense, have them. But you have to believe that you receive when you pray, not when you see it come to pass. So how is it that we can believe that we receive when we pray. If you are thinking, God, you can heal, but I don't know if you want to heal or not, if it's up to you. If you, if you pray a prayer like, Lord, if it be your will, heal, then you can't believe that you receive when you pray. You can't believe that you receive until you see it come to pass. But that verse says you have to believe that you receive when you pray. The only way that you can have confidence and boldness and assurance that you receive when you pray, before you see something that verifies that God has already done it, you have to believe that that's God's will. You have to know what God's will is. And you know, a, a scripture that the Lord has used in my life is Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. And it says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. That means it's the same way that you believe for salvation is the same way you believe for everything, for healing in your body. How did you believe for salvation? If somebody would have told you that pray and God might save you, He can save people and sometimes He saves people, but sometimes He doesn't. You never know. Just pray and see if God wants you to be saved. If you would have approached that salvation that way, none of us would have gotten saved. You had to believe that it was already done, that Jesus had already died for your sins, that it was already done, and whosoever would call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you had to believe that you received when you prayed. And not everybody has a dramatic, overwhelming, emotional experience the moment they get born again. Some people you just believe. Like with me, I got born again when I was eight years old. 
And I prayed and I was under conviction and I prayed with my dad. He led me to the Lord in my bedroom and I prayed with him. And the only thing that I felt was just peace. All of my fear was gone and I just felt peace in my heart. I didn't have a dramatic encounter with the Lord. But you know what? I knew that I got saved because I was told that he died and he wants this. That it's God's will for everybody to be saved. And if you will just simply pray this prayer, it'll happen. I've led lots of people to the Lord and when I pray with them, they didn't feel anything. And so I say, well, are you saved? And they say, well, I don't know. I don't feel anything. So what I do, I go back to the Word and I say, it says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, are you a whosoever? And they said, well, yeah, I guess I'm a whosoever. And I said, did you call on the name of the Lord? And they said, well, yes, I did. I said, are you saved? And they said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, here's what God said. You're a whosoever. You called on the Lord. Do you believe that God lied? Oh, no, I don't believe God lied. Well, did you call on the name of the Lord? Yes, I did. Well, then are you... Well, I guess I am. (laughs) And finally, I just kind of talk them into believing that God did what he said he'd do. And all of a sudden, they begin to start believing and then... Their, their uh, new life begins. But see, you got to believe that you receive. And there's a lot of people that believe God can heal, but they aren't absolutely convinced that God does heal, will heal. And so they're just kind of throwing their prayer out there and waiting to see if, if they feel different, if they can see something different, and if they can get it in some physical way, then they'll believe. That is not faith. You've got to believe that you receive when you pray and then after you believe, you shall receive. You shall have it. But you've got to believe. So just understanding that the very word that is used that is translated forgiveness of sins is also translated heal shows you that healing is a part of the atonement of the Lord Jesus. I've quoted those verses uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 53, 4 and 5, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, Psalms 103, verse 3, that puts the forgiveness of sins and the healing of your body right together. And you know, to me, here is the number one thing. Look in uh, John chapter 5. This is Jesus speaking, and this is the number one indication for me that it is God's will to heal every single person. Jesus was speaking and he said in John chapter 5 and in verse 19, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise." And this same thing is repeated in other places. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And there's many times, uh, John chapter 10 and other places, it basically says, I can't do anything of myself. I only do what I see the Father do. He said this over and over. And so my point is, Jesus is the greatest representation of God to us. It said over in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, that Jesus is the express image of the Father. The express image. And if you study that in the Greek, it literally is talking about an exact, perfect representation. Jesus represented God 100%. And if you look at the life of Jesus, He says, I'm only doing what I see my Father. He says, I do everything that my Father 
has told me to do. And he told his father in John chapter 17, the night before his crucifixion, he says, I have finished the work. I have done what you told me to do. And yet Jesus never, ever, 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 ever put sickness on a single person. Jesus never refused to heal a single person. As a matter of fact, there's 17 times in the Gospels alone that Jesus healed every single person that came. There wasn't a single one that was left sick. And then there's 47 other times in the gospel where Jesus healed individuals, one or two at a time. That's a total of, what's that, 64 times in four gospels that Jesus healed people. And in many of those cases, he healed multitudes. It says they brought, like when he healed the Gadarene demoniac, it says that they brought all of the sick from every place around and he healed them all. There were multitudes there, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and he healed every single one. Jesus never refused to heal a person. Jesus never put sickness on a person. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, the church has misrepresented this today. The church, and I'm not against the church. I'm a part of the church, but I'm saying not everybody that calls themselves the church is preaching the truth. And there has been a lot of people that have misrepresented that God is the one that makes you sick, that God uses sickness to teach you something and to break you and to humble you and to make you better, and that is not true. If, if it was true, well, then Jesus did not fully represent God the Father because Jesus never made a person sick. Jesus never told a person, he says, you aren't ready yet. This is for your own good. I'm teaching you something through this. You're going to be better off as you suffer. That never happened. It is not God's will for you to suffer. And any of you that have been through sickness and has seen somebody die, or some, even if they're still alive, but if they're just wasting away and suffering, I tell you, it is bad. That is not God. That is not the way God treats people. God wants you well. There are many of you that are suffering with things and, and it's hurt your relationship with God. You may not even be aware of it, but you think, God, if you're really God, why don't you do something about this? The Lord has done something about it. I'm going to be teaching all of this week and talking about how to appropriate it, but the very first step is you've got to believe without any doubt, without any reservation, that God is not the author of your sickness. If you believe that He is... Well then, see, one of the things in Scripture that is just paramount, matter of fact, I ministered this to four or five people tonight before the service started, is James chapter 4, verse 7. That says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now that makes it very clear that there are some things that are from God. You submit to those. There are some things that are from the devil. You resist those. The word resist means to actively fight against. With some people's theology that has been taught them today, if God controls everything, if nothing happens to you but what it's God's will, well then what's the point in submitting and resisting? You might be able to argue that you just submit if everything was really from God, but if what about the part that it says resist the devil and he will flee from you? If God controls it, if God only allows the devil to do certain things in your life, well, then why resist it? Because ultimately God's the one that caused it or allowed it and you would, in a sense, be resisting God's will. Did you know if you really believe that God 
is one who allowed sickness, who put sickness on you or something like that. If you really believe that, if you really believe that, and if you are going to be consistent, then it's wrong for you to go to a doctor. It's wrong for you to take medication and try and get out of God's will. Why would you try and resist this if God's one that put it on you? That's inconsistent. If you really believe that God's one that allowed it, God wants it, God's using it to break you or something like that, well then why would you spend so much money and effort trying to get out of God's will? Why not just submit to it and let it have its perfect work? That's inconsistent, brothers and sisters. And you know what? I'm sure that there are some people who teach this because honestly they've been taught it themselves and they just haven't thought about it. There's other people, I believe there's a lot of people that teach that God doesn't heal everybody because it's a cop-out. It's a way of dealing with failure. And you know what? I've failed. I haven't seen every person heal. I haven't seen everything work. And you know what? It's easy. It would be easy to just sit there and say, well, maybe it's not God's will. But you can't find that in Scripture. You can't find Jesus. Again, I go, to me, this is the number one thing. Jesus said, I do what I see my Father do. And you never saw Jesus bless somebody with cancer. You never saw Jesus put something on them because you need to be broken and you need to be humbled. Jesus showed us the Father's will. And look at this over in Acts chapter 10. This is the Apostle Peter preaching to Cornelius. And in Acts chapter 10, as he was telling Cornelius about Jesus and how Jesus ministered. This is really descriptive. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Notice that this says that Jesus went about doing good. Healing is good. Now Jesus used this exact same logic because there's a number of times that he healed people on the Sabbath days and the religious leaders came out and said, this man's not of God because if he was of God, he wouldn't break the Sabbath. And Jesus said that the Sabbath wasn't made for Uh, Man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. He says, is it good to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? And then he says, this person ought to be saved. Talking about using that word saved to refer to his physical healing. And Jesus healed people and said that this was doing good. He called healing good. There are people today that call healing bad. Matter of fact, I've been called of the devil because I say that people have been healed. My son was raised from the dead after being dead for five hours. And he was raised from the dead. No brain damage. No more than he had before. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And we've got blogs on the internet talking about the Andrew Womack's of the devil because he says that this happened. There are people today who preach that healing is of the devil, but sickness is of God. That's perverse. It's wrong. 
You can't find that in Scripture. Matter of fact, you could turn over to the 28th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy and it lists the blessings that will come upon you if you keep the law and the curses that will come upon you if you don't keep the law. Now, in the New Testament, we don't get the curses even though we don't do everything right. And we get the blessings even though we don't do everything right because we have faith in Jesus. So it needs to be interpreted in the light of that. But nonetheless, it still shows what God considers a curse and what God considers a blessing. And it says that it is a blessing that you will be healthy and that you will have no sickness. And it says it's a curse that you'll be sick and have the itch and the botch and the mildew and emrods and all of these other things that I don't even know what he's talking about, but it sounds bad. Amen. I don't want it. And it says every sickness and every disease, them will the Lord bring upon you until you're destroyed. That's under the curse side. It's just like you had a big old chalkboard up here. And if you put blessings on this side and curses over here and draw a line down the middle in verses one through 15, it lists what he calls a blessing. It's a blessing to be wealthy and blessed and prosperous and healthy. It's a curse to be poor and sick. And yet we got religious people today saying, oh, this, this sickness is a blessing. God did this because it broke me and it brought me to him. It's not true. God didn't do it. Now, it is true that some people, when they hit a wall, when they run into problems, they turn to God through that. And that is true that that happens. Matter of fact, that probably happens a lot because most of us, as long as everything is going good, we don't think much about God. We don't think about our need. But don't blame God for those problems. You know, here's an example. My, my oldest son, Joshua, when he was just a year old, he was helping me one day. I was loading lumber over in Seagoville, Texas, and it was hot. It was in the summer, about August, and it was really hot. And he was a year old. There wasn't any pavement in this lumber yard. And so he was dirty. He was dusty. And it, it was in the afternoon, it was time for him to take a nap. And he started to lay down in this dirt and take a nap. And I knew if he did that, he was going to, you know, he was already sweaty and that he was going to get this dirt caked on him and he'd be filthy and Jamie wouldn't like it. So anyway, I told him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you get into the cab of this truck. Now this cab, the, the window was up over my head like this. So it was over six foot tall and he'd been wanting to get in that truck all day long. He was sleepy, but when I put him in the cab of that truck, he revived. And I had to roll the windows down because it was hot. And I told him, I said, now you lay down in there and go to sleep. But he, he revived when he got in there and he started leaning out the window and looking in that side mirror and waving at me. And he was having a big time up in this truck. And so I went up and told him to lay down and he didn't obey me and got up. And so eventually I spanked him. And I told him, I said, now look, you're going to hurt yourself. You just lay down and go to sleep. But he disobeyed me. He leaned out of that window trying to say hi to me. And at one year old, he fell out of that truck, hit his eye on the running board and landed right on top of his head on that ground. He could have broken his neck, could have killed him, could have done something bad. And anyway, he started crying. I went up and grabbed him and held him. And, and when he finally quit crying... And he looked at me, I said, Joshua, this is what I was telling you. If you would have obeyed me, this wouldn't have happened. I said, now you get up in that truck and you lay down and don't get up again. And boy, he got up there and laid down and he went to sleep. Now, if he would have been like most Christians, 
he would have gone out and told all his friends, oh, my dad is so wonderful. He pushed me out of that truck or he let me fall. He knew I was going to do it. And he did that to teach me a lesson. Did he learn a lesson? Sure, he learned a lesson. But are you going to blame me for him falling out of that truck, that that was my will, that I wanted this to happen? I did what I could to stop it. God will use things. If you aren't listening to God, if you aren't seeking God, and if you get to where you're flat of your back and the only way you can look is up, well then, yeah, God will be there when you cry out and say, oh, God, help me, but don't blame God for doing it. Again, Jesus never put sickness on a person. Jesus never refused to heal a person saying, no, you haven't learned your lesson yet. Jesus went around healing the sick and all that were oppressed of the devil. Notice it says oppressed of the devil. And here's a shocker to some of you. This doesn't fit well in our thinking today, but if you go through and study those 64 instances that it talks about Jesus healing people, a large percentage of those were demonic. He cast a spirit of deafness out. Curvature of the spine in Mark chapter 5. Well, I'm not sure where that is, but curvature of the spine was a spirit of infirmity that had this woman bowed over so that she couldn't raise herself up. Not being able to speak was a spirit that held people up. Not all physical sicknesses are physical. Now, some of them he healed people and it just says he healed them, but other times he cast demons out. Whether it is a direct demonic spirit or it can be just a physical, natural thing, but ultimately the whole perversion that is in our world today that causes germs and sickness and all of this stuff was all started by man's disobedience and Satan is involved in it. Whether it is a direct demonic thing or if even if it's natural, somehow or another, it is a spiritual thing. I ministered to a couple of people tonight that uh, as I prayed for them, I, they were delivered of demonic things. Again, I was talking to Oral Roberts this um, summer, and Oral Roberts says the greatest miracles he ever saw happen happened when he cast spirits out and saw people delivered. Those are the greatest miracles that he's seen happen. I believe that there are physical things that happen. If you, if you fall and break your foot and it swells up and gets infected, I don't think that that's necessarily a demon. I think that there are natural, physical things that happen, yes. But there are a, some of it that is demonic too. And my point in saying this, it says that he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is not from God. Sickness is from the devil. And if you are submitted to it, then you are submitted to the devil, whether it's intentional or not. But you know, again, I was talking to a person back here tonight and I was saying, I'm not saying these things to hurt you, but I said, Satan can't do all of this stuff to you that you've told me about without your consent. And they think, well, how did I consent to it? Well, just the fact that you are sitting there thinking, well, this is just normal and that there's nothing I can do about it. That is you giving consent to it. The truth is that the Lord commanded us to go out and preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, to cast out devils. Matthew chapter 10, I believe that's about verse 7 and 8. And it's a command that he gave us. He says, into whatever city you enter into, go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. It's something he commanded us to do. You've got to recognize God has given us power 
and authority over sickness. This is not an add-on. This isn't an addition to salvation. It isn't just certain people that have this anointing. Again, I say, I don't believe that I have a special gift of healing, but I have the same authority that God gave every born-again believer. And it, Let me just read this to you. In Matthew chapter 10, same thing is recorded over in Luke chapter 9, I believe it is. But this is where Jesus sent out his disciples. And in verse 1, he says, When he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He gave his disciples power to cast out devils and to heal all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. This is to every one of us. If you've been born again, you have raising from the dead power on the inside of you. You have the authority on the inside of you to cast out devils and to heal sickness and disease. And if you're saying, no, I don't, well, then that's the reason that Satan has been able to bring sickness into your life is because you don't believe the authority and you've probably been praying and asking God to cast the devil out or to cast the sickness out or, oh, God, heal me. But how can God do it when you don't resist? Thank you for that one head nod. (laughs) Not everybody's real excited about this, but... God gave us power. Notice he didn't say pray for the sick. Now there are examples of people praying for the sick and I'm not saying we don't pray for the sick. Matter of fact, I've already read that verse over in James chapter 5. If anybody's sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. It didn't say that you shouldn't do it, but Jesus didn't command us to pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. That's in chapter 10, verse 8. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. It's, let me just back up into verse 7. And as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What that phrase means, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, means the kingdom of heaven is now. Quit saying that there's coming a revival. Quit talking about God's going to do a new thing. Boy, so much of the church is all caught up in God is going to do something. It's like God's the great I'm going to be. Or the great I was, but not the great I am. Man, we need to be proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here now. It's God's will to heal us now. It's God's will that every single person in this room be absolutely healthy and whole. You know, when the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, it says in Psalms 106, I believe it is. It might be 107. But he says that there wasn't one feeble person among them. There were three million Jews, old people. You know, out of three million, you couldn't get three million anybody's together and not have one feeble person among them. You know what happened? They took Passover, which is what our communion comes from. And they took that communion and they put the blood on the doorpost and the death angel passed over. And as they took the first communion, an entire nation was healed. There wasn't one sick or feeble person among three million Jews. And we have something that's better. What we have, they just had the picture, the type and the shadow. We have the reality. And yet, if we, were, if we could take a survey, I'm not asking you to raise your hand right now. 
But if we were to take a survey, I would bet that the vast majority of this group, and again, you're the fanatics. I bet you the vast majority of this group has serious health problems. Something that you've been trying and praying and believing and yet hadn't seen it come to pass. This is not what God's will is. He's not mad at us. I'm not mad at you. I'm not saying you're bad people. I'm just saying that we have been... We haven't been expecting what God has given us. We have accepted sickness as just being, well, this is normal. And many of us have been taught that actually this is God putting it on us and that this is a blessing. When the Bible says clearly that it's a curse. First of all, you've got to start realizing that sickness is not your friend, that it isn't from God, that it isn't just normal and natural and that this is not the way that God wants us to live. And we've got to start resisting it. Now, that's not all that there is to it, but I guarantee you, if you aren't resisting and fighting against it, you are not going to see healing. You have to know that it is God's will. You've got to realize that this is not God's plan for your life, and you've got to fight it like the plague that it is before you will see deliverance. So in verse 7, it says, As you go preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Don't pray for the sick. Heal them. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. You know, most people don't believe that I really have the power to do this. But instead, what what we're doing, we're playing it safe. And we're saying, oh, Father, we have no power. We can't heal anybody. God, if it be your will, would you stretch forth your hand and touch this person? An unbeliever can play, pray that kind of player. But you know, the Bible says that we are supposed to recognize that He has given us this power that we read about in verse 1, and then we are supposed to go heal the sick and cast out devils and heal the lepers. Look in the third chapter of the book of Acts. Here's an example of Peter taking this power that God gave them and using it. And in Acts chapter 3... Peter and John were going into the temple at the hour of prayer. And in verse 2, it says, A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now notice, he says, I don't have any money. People have made a big deal out of this saying that, see, we aren't supposed to prosper. Peter was poor. That doesn't mean that that's what he's saying. He's just saying, I don't have my wallet with me. He just didn't have any money. That doesn't mean that he never had any money. It just means he didn't have any money with him. And, uh, you know, right now, if you ask me, could you do this? Well, I don't have much money on me. And if I said, well, I don't have any money, does that mean that I don't have any money, that I'm not prosperous? It just means I don't have any on me. So he says, I don't have any money with me, but such as I have. Such as I have. Did you know that this would get Peter kicked out of nearly any church in America? (laughs) To stand up there and say... I have the healing power of God. But that's exactly what Jesus said. He says, I give you power. 
over all the force of the enemy, over all sickness, over all disease. Now you go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. God has given us power. He gave us power and authority. And so Peter said, such as I have, give I unto you. And then he says, rise up and walk. And the next verse says, he reached out his hand and grabbed him and lifted him up. And after he had already said he had it, after he had already said, I give it unto you. And after he had already reached out and taken a step of faith and grabbed this man. And after he had yanked him up, then it says his feet received. Uh, strength, and he went walking and leaping and praising God. That is totally different than the way most of us approach this. Most of, I've heard this prayer a hundred times. Oh, God, we have no power. God, we can't do anything. God, I can't heal a gnat. <laughs> and you know what? That's true if you're only talking about you in your natural self. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, you have to abide in the vine as the branch can't bring fruit of itself, neither can you except you abide in me. And he says, for without me, you can do nothing. That's absolutely true. Without Jesus, I can do nothing. But I am not without Jesus. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And for us to just say, well, God, we can't do anything. Well, then you are just amplifying the carnal, natural self. You aren't recognizing who you are in Christ and what's been given unto you. You are misrepresenting things. If you say, well, we can't do anything. We can't, God, I can't heal this person. Well, it's not your natural power, that's for sure. But God has placed His supernatural, raising from the dead power on the inside of us. And we have to believe that we have that power and that we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. Amen. But again, most people will not adopt the attitude I'm trying to get across because they're afraid of failure. And you know what? I have failed. I don't see every single thing happen, but I still believe that it's God's will because this is what the Word says. And somebody might say, well, then why don't you see everyone heal? I don't know. I'm still learning. I haven't figured it all out. But you know what? I've seen great miracles happen. I've seen good things happen. And I'm not about to quit. I know I'm moving in the right direction. I don't understand everything, but I do understand this from Scripture that everything I've talked about, that healing, if you just look the words up, salvation includes healing. It says that Jesus bore our sorrows, carried our griefs. By His stripes we were healed. And it's already been done 2,000 years ago. In Herod's judgment hall, Jesus has already borne those stripes. Healing is a part of our inheritance. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, not oppressed of God. He gave us power and told us to go out and heal the sick. I know that this is what God's will is. I'm still learning. You know, I've learned a lot. During this series, I'll talk uh, from Matthew or Mark chapter 11 about speaking to your mountain. That's one of the keys that I've learned over the last 10 years or so, that he didn't tell us to speak to him about our mountain. He told us to speak to our mountain about him. He told us to talk directly to the problem. And some people think, well, that's a minor thing. Well, it's just, it works. 
I've seen a lot more healings. I've seen greater things happen. I don't understand it all yet. And you know what? Before I understood Mark 11, 23, I didn't see as many people healed. Now I'm seeing more people healed. I'm seeing greater manifestations. And so if I'm not seeing everything happen, it's not because it's not God's will for the people to be well. It's because I'm not doing something right. I don't know something. It's certainly not malicious. But you know what? I, I just know that it's not God's fault and I'm not going to compromise on the fact that God wants us well. I pray with a lot of people for salvation and not every one of them gets saved. Not because God hadn't provided it, but there's some people that just can't believe that God has forgiven them. There's some people that are just living under guilt and condemnation and they just cannot break free of it. I've prayed with some people who are plagued with doubt and I've prayed with them to be saved. And I go back and talk to them and they're still doubting. There are some people who call themselves Christians and yet they, if you were to just press them, are you, do you know that you know that you're born again? There's some people that have prayed a hundred times and still aren't exactly sure that they're born again. That doesn't mean that God didn't save them. That doesn't mean that God didn't provide it. It just means that they're having trouble receiving. I'm aware that not every single person gets well. There was an instance where Jesus in his hometown, Mark chapter 6, went to his hometown and it says in verse 6 that he could do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. It didn't say he wouldn't do it. It said he couldn't do it. And if you put that together with Matthew chapter 13 verse 58, which is the exact same instance, but it's just recorded by Matthew instead of Mark. It says in Matthew 13, 58, uh, have you got that up there? It says, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So you put those two verses together. It wasn't because he didn't want to do it. It was because of their unbelief. And brothers and sisters, let me say this. Unbelief isn't always just, I don't believe it's God's will to heal. Obviously, that's unbelief. But you know, there are people who are praying for God to heal them and desiring it and wanting it, and they still have unbelief. Unbelief isn't always just total rejection. It can just be people that are, are struggling because they've uh, seen somebody else die and something happen. And, and it just is a nagging doubt in the back of their mind. I'll probably be teaching on this during this week too. But in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus talked about that it was not their little faith or lack of faith that caused them not to receive. It was the fact that they had doubt. And sometimes we don't even realize how much we doubt. We are raised in a, this culture that we live in, whether you know it or not, is not a Christian culture. It is an ungodly culture. Even though it has Christian trappings to it, and in some senses this is a Christian nation, this is not a Christian culture. It is full of unbelief. Full of unbelief. We've been baptized in unbelief. We've been brought up in unbelief. And I tell you, we are, we are trying to believe God, and yet very few of us really live in an atmosphere of faith. You know, one of the things that's happening in our Bible college is that you, we have people that come together four hours a day, five days a week for two or three years, sit under the Word. And if you were to come to our Bible college, I guarantee you, it's, it's just different. It's different than being out in the world. You come there and people love God. People love each other. 
People are speaking the word. People are giving testimonies. And I tell you what, when you come into that place, it's, it'll build you up. It'll encourage you. It's not perfect. Not everything about it is perfect, but I guarantee you, it is an atmosphere of faith. You get in there and things start happening. And, and we've often said that if a person comes to school discouraged, it'll take a miracle for them to get out of school without being encouraged. Because I, there's just people there that are just, they got all of their antennas up looking for somebody that they can minister to. Who in here needs a hug? Who needs to be blessed? And I guarantee you, you just get in there and good things happen. And it is like daylight and dark, the difference between what's going on in our Bible school and what most people live in. And then we come home and we watch television that is just junk junk, terrible stuff, even if it's not demonic, if it's not totally anti-Christian, at the very best, it's carnal. It's not building you up. And we just live in unbelief. We dwell in a culture of unbelief. And then we wonder, well, if it's God's will, why aren't we healed? It's a miracle that we see as many miracles as we do. We have a tremendous amount of unbelief. So anyway, as we talk about this, I know that this is somewhat unsettling to a degree. I've had failures myself. I'm not insensitive to that, but you know what? I'm telling you the truth, that God wants you well. This is not God's will. And that's the first thing you've got to do. If you've experienced a negative thing, if you haven't seen somebody healed, you've got to just sit there and say, I don't understand, but you know what? What I don't understand, teach me. But you've got to believe that it's God's will for you to be well. If you doubt that, if you back off of that, it's not going to happen accidentally. It's not going to happen without you winning the battle, first of all, to believe that it is God's will to heal every single person. You know, I could also say it this way. I have read the stories of many, many faith healers or whatever the proper terminology is, people that pray and believe in healing. And the people, like you, I, I could go back to Lillian B. Yeoman. Most of you hadn't heard of her, but she was a medical doctor in the 1800s and she got turned on and, man, saw great miracles happen. And you can go from her, you can go through any, any person who has seen lots of miracles and without exception, I mean, I have studied dozens and dozens of them, without exception, there is not a single person who has seen multiple miracles who does not believe that it's God's will to heal every single time. It's constant. People who see miracles believe it's God's will to give miracles. They believe in a good God who has provided healing and blessings for us. People who believe that God can heal, but you never know what's going to happen. They might see something happen once or twice in a lifetime, but they aren't going to live a life that is filled with miracles. I mean, an old blind squirrel will get a nut every once in a while if he doesn't quit, amen. <laughs> but you aren't going to see just constant miracles. You aren't going to have miracle after miracle after miracle if you don't believe that it's God's will to heal. You can't find an example of that. The people who saw miracles happen know that it's God's will. It's like Peter, such as I have. God has already done His part. It's not up to God to heal us. It's up to us to believe and receive and learn how to start appropriating and releasing this power. And in my experience, 
This is just my opinion. The first step, and that's what I've talked about tonight, is that it is God's will for you to be well. God wants you well. And if you have any reservations on that, you aren't going to get well. You need to believe that God wants you well. You need to believe that Jesus not only cared about your eternal destiny and just left you to rot down here, but God loves you and God wants you well. Jesus proved it in his actions. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. All that were oppressed of the devil. God doesn't want you to suffer. God doesn't want you sick. God doesn't want people that you love suffering. The Lord wants you well. Knowing that isn't everything, but that is a major point. And if you, if you can't embrace that, you aren't going to go very far with healing. I tell you, you need to know that it's God's will. And again, there's so much more that I could say about this, but this is the point I'm trying to get across tonight. You know, I'll have to answer. I'll do it tomorrow since, you know, the heart can't absorb more than the seat can endure. So I'll answer this tomorrow, but I know somebody's thinking, well, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? God didn't heal him. That's not what the scripture says. I'll deal with that and I'll show you some things from the word tomorrow. But you've got to know that it is God's will for you to be well. And just believing that is a large part of your miracle. And I know that there's people right here in this room tonight that for whatever reason you have believed that God wants you sick or you aren't convinced that God wants you well. Maybe you've been told that this is something that you deserve and that you're just, you know, you don't deserve to be healed. God doesn't heal heal you because you deserve it. No more than he saves you because you deserve it. And if you're a sinner, that qualifies you for salvation. And you know what? If you haven't done everything right, that doesn't disqualify you from being healed. God wants you well. Jesus ministered to people irregardless of whether they were doing everything right. You've got to believe that God wants you well. Amen. Praise God. You know, let me ask tonight, is there anybody here who doesn't know Jesus? I've been ministering on healing But maybe you're just hearing somebody say that God's not the one that's putting sickness on people. God's not the one that controls the evil and the hardships and the hurts and the pains in our life. Maybe that's helping you to understand that God is a good God and that God wants to come into your life. If you aren't born again, if you have never committed your life to Jesus, you need to do that. You need to let Him come in. And the same way I've been emphasizing healing, He died for the uh, forgiveness of your sins. And it would be a shame for you not to receive it. He's provided it, but you have to receive it. And so if you've never made Jesus your personal Lord, you need to be born again tonight. And then once you get born again, the Scripture says that you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, don't go anywhere, don't tell anybody anything. And he was talking about his resurrection. He says, don't tell them until you be endued with power from on high. Think about this. They had seen Jesus resurrected from the dead, and yet he says, don't go out in your own power. Don't do this by yourself. You need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And that includes a lot of things, but it includes speaking in tongues. In the Bible, when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, they spoke 
with tongues. And speaking in tongues is powerful. I tell you, speaking in tongues is one of the most powerful things that you can have happen. I hadn't got time to explain it tonight, but it is powerful. It's my testimony that it's a real experience. And I know that there's many of you saying, well, boy, that's not what they teach at my church. Well, that's the reason I'm not at your church. (laughs) But you know what? It's real. And I'm telling you that speaking in tongues, you would have never seen me on television if I hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I was an introvert and couldn't even look at a person in the face and talk to them. And now I'm talking to hundreds of people, millions of people on television because the Holy Spirit gives you power. The disciples ran because they were afraid they were going to be persecuted. But after receiving the Holy Spirit, they stood there boldly and spoke. And it says they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I tell you, the Holy Spirit gives you power. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues. And somebody says, well, I think I got it when I got saved. Do you speak in tongues? If you don't speak in tongues, there's more. Speaking in tongues is for you. You need to receive it. It's like a pair of tennis shoes. When you get them, they all come with tongues. If you receive the baptism... God's going to give you this gift of speaking in tongues. Amen. So is there anybody here tonight who would say, I need one or both of those. I either need to be born again, or if you're already born again, I want to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Anybody here like that? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Praise the Lord. Lots of people. I want to remind you, We aren't in a church. I'm not asking you to join a church. I believe you need to be in a good church, but this isn't about, we aren't going to sign you up for something. We just want to pray with you and help you to receive everything that God has for you. And I tell you, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It changes you. It makes a difference in your life. So, you know, if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat And come forward and we want you to come right down here and we're going to pray with you and help you to receive. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, if you would... Please spread out. Don't stand behind each other because we're going to have people come up and lay hands on you. So instead of you standing behind each other, if you could just spread out across the thing from wall to wall, that way we could have people come stand behind you and lay hands on you. If you would do that, that would help. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this awesome? I tell you, I don't... um, I don't know how y'all live without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this ability to speak in tongues. It's that important to me. And so this is going to make a difference in your life. This is going to change you. You will not be the same. It's going to make a big, big difference in your life. Before I can pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says you have to first of all make Jesus your Lord. He's the one who gives the Holy Spirit. So you have to receive Jesus before you receive the gift. 
Is there anybody here who isn't absolutely certain about whether or not you've been born again and whether Jesus is your Lord? And you need to pray about that first. Anybody here like that? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and we need to pray with you first about making Jesus your personal Savior. Here's one right here. Anybody else? Anybody else? You know, out of this many people, here's another one down here. Out of this many people, I would be surprised if there's only two. I mean, that's possible. But there's a lot of people that are confused and they think, well, I go to church and I'm trying to be a good person and I believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Isn't that enough? The Bible says in James 2.19, do you believe that there's one God? You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. But won't you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Just believing that Jesus is God is not salvation. The devil believes that. But you've got to do what the devil never did, and that is you have to commit your life to him. You have to trust him. You have to put all of your faith in him. Here's a way you can tell. If you were to stand before God right now, and he says, what makes you worthy to enter in? What would you point to? If you would point to something that you've done and say, well, I'm a good person and I've been doing this and I'm trying to do the best I can. That's not salvation. Your faith is in yourself. You need a savior. You need to put your total faith in a savior so that if the Lord was to ask you what makes you worthy, you'd say, it's not me, it's my savior. I've got a savior. I've put my faith in him. Is there anybody else that needs to pray? Here's a couple of more down here. Anybody else? Here's another one right here. Here's another one. Anybody else? Here's another one down here. You just need to make sure. The Bible says that when you get born again, you have a witness in yourself and you know that you've passed from death unto life. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to lead those of you that raised your hand in a prayer. And I'm going to pray the words that you need to pray. It's not magic. It's not like if you just say these words, you'll automatically be saved. The scripture says you have to believe in your heart. But I'm going to say what you need to say. And if you believe the words that you're repeating after me, then you'll be born again. Jesus has already paid for your sin. He's already done everything. You don't have to do something. All you have to do is just receive. And the Bible says you need to make Jesus your Lord. It doesn't mean you're saying I'll never mess up or that I'll live perfect, but you're wanting Him to take control of your life. You're giving Him your life. If you're willing to do that and if you'll confess Him as your Lord, you'll be born again. Is that a good deal? Let's have everybody pray this so that they won't feel like we're just listening to them. But I want you to repeat this after me and mean it in your heart. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive that you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe that? Awesome. Welcome. Welcome to the family. Isn't that awesome? God bless you. Amen. For the rest of you, I believe that if you meant that, According to the Bible, you just got changed on the inside. You know, you're still a woman or a man on the outside, 
but in your spirit, you have now passed from death unto life. And I've got a book that is going to explain this to you, and I really encourage you to study that and find out fully what happened. Now, according to the Scripture, every person up here has made Jesus your Lord, and so according to the Scripture, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means that this is what He created you for. These that just got born again in your spirit, God, in your spirit, you are just now made to, for the Holy Spirit to come live on the inside of you. So since that's what God made you for, there's no doubt that He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. He wants you to have the Holy Spirit more than you want to have Him. So we aren't going to beg. We aren't going to plead. We aren't going to doubt whether He'll give. He wants you to have the Holy Spirit. All you need to do is just open up the doors to this temple and allow Him to come in. So we aren't going to just plead. We're just going to ask one time and then I want you to believe that God gives you the Holy Spirit. And we've got people that are going to come up and lay hands on you. These are our prayer ministers and they're going to come up because the Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit is given. So we're going to ask just one time. We aren't going to beg and then they're going to lay hands on you and release this power of the Holy Spirit into your life. And then I want you to take a step of faith and believe that God did what He said He would do. And just start thanking Him out loud. I want you to start thanking Him and saying, Father, I don't care what I feel like, I believe. You, the Scripture says, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Man, you'd give your children good things. You're God's child. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit. So we're going to believe. And so we're going to pray. They're going to lay hands on. And then I want you to start thanking God and just thanking Him that He gave you the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, after they lay hands on you, I want you to raise your hands like this because the Bible says that when you lift up your hands in the sanctuary, you bless God. This blesses God. It's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender. I yield. We're going to lift our hands and start thanking God. And then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 17, that when you pray in tongues, you are giving thanks well. So those of us that have this gift of speaking in tongues are going to start praying in tongues and thanking God. And at that time, I want you to switch from thanking Him in English to thanking Him in tongues and just start praying in tongues with us. And the power of God will flow out of you. Now, the number one thing that holds people back, and this is from my experience, the number one thing that held me back was I thought God was going to take my mouth and make me talk in tongues. This is kind of crude, but I thought it was like when you throw up, you just can't stop it. Put your hand over your mouth and it's going to come out anyway. Speaking in tongues isn't like that. The Bible says they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. It's the same as when I talk tonight. I believe that God spoke through me. But He didn't take my mouth and make it talk. I, spoke, I thought of it. I thought of the words. I said the words. That's the reason it came out with my personality. But I believe that God inspired it. It's the same when you speak in tongues. It's you speaking. The Holy Spirit's not going to make your mouth move. You've got to talk. But you have to believe that God is inspiring it. And as soon as you get over the newness of it, the strangeness of it, you'll find out it just flows out of you. It's not you, it's, the, it's your spirit inspiring you and you're speaking. So we're, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start praying in tongues and I want you to pray with us, okay? If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear somebody behind you say.
but it's your tongue is going to be unique to you. It's not going to be the same. But you got to start making some noise so you can try and say what somebody else says. And when it comes out different, just keep talking. Amen? Y'all ready? The Bible says believers will speak in new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer. And I will speak in tongues. Father, we thank you for all of these. Thank you, Jesus that they are now born again, that they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that you want to come fill your temple. So right now, we just open up the doors of our heart. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We ask you to come and fill us. Empower us right now with your Holy Spirit. Father, come. We lay hands on you now in the name of Jesus and say, Receive the Holy Spirit. We loose this power and anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow into these lives. Right there is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, we loose your power and anointing right now to come on all of these in Jesus' name. Now, let's put your hands up and let's start speaking and thanking God. Thank you, Father, that your word is true. Thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit is residing in me right now. Thank you, Father, that we are God-possessed, that your power is flowing in us. Now, those of you that know how to speak in tongues, let's pray in tongues right now. Let's start thanking God. Let's just worship the Lord. And as we speak in tongues, you can speak with us. There you go. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You got to open your mouth and talk. You can't talk in tongues in English at the same time. You know, regardless of what you feel like, there's the power of the Holy Spirit. God has given you this ability to speak in tongues. You just need to speak right now. Don't shake your head no. You got to shake it. Yes, yes, yes. You got it. You got the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Just speak out. Be bold. You don't know what you're saying, but you are communicating with God from your spirit. It's like a little baby. When they first talk, it may not sound like a language. And they may not be pronunciating things right. But you know what? Their father knows what that little child's trying to say. Your heavenly father is hearing you communicate by faith. Hearing you communicate outside of your own understanding. You're bypassing the doubt and the fears and the limitations of your mind. And you're talking out of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Boy, many, many, many of these are speaking in tongues. Power of the Holy Spirit is flowing. Thank you, Father. Let me have your attention, if you would, for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But you know, this could be one of the most important things that has ever happened in your life. This changed me 
more than my salvation. Salvation, when I got born again, may have changed me on the inside, but this got it on the outside. I began to start seeing the power of God operate. And this is really powerful. You may not have felt a thing. And you know, when I first prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't speak in tongues. It took me three and a half years to speak in tongues. But that's because I was a Baptist. And I was taught against it. And I was afraid that something bad was going to happen to me. So I had a lot of fear and things that kept me from speaking it. But you know what? I got those questions answered and I've written it all in a book. And I've got a book that is entitled The New You. That's talking about salvation and the Holy Spirit. And it deals with being born again and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you will read this, it will explain things to you. And even if you didn't speak in tongues, it will tell you how to do it and how to get over the hindrances that you're having. And we've had lots and lots of people speak in tongues because they read that book. So I really want every one of you to have this because we want you to get the maximum benefit from what you've done tonight. This could really transform your life. I believe that. I believe this is going to make you stronger in horseradish. <laughs> Amen? Amen? But you need to understand it. So who's taking them where? Ashley right here, the one that gave the testimony tonight. He's going to take you to a little room, and we've got a book that we're going to give every one of you about this. It's a free gift, and I really encourage you to get it. So if you would, just follow Ashley, and we'll give you this book to help you receive Isn't this great? Let's praise God for all of these. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Man, that's wonderful. Praise God. Great. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this great? Praise the Lord. You know, I don't know how many came up here tonight, but it's close to as many as they had on the day of Pentecost. 120. Man, just think what could happen to the Fort Worth Metroplex, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex with all these people. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, these are our prayer ministers down here. This is Steve and Joanne Rupp. I've known them for 30 years. Met them in Phoenix, I think. And, of course, you saw uh, Walt and Chris Oshinsky. There's the one that their daughter was healed, Nikki. And every one of these down here has been through a training session. Many of them are pastors, Bruce Norman down here. But they're people who are full of the Holy Spirit, and they're wanting to pray. And you know, again, I say, I don't have a gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm just praying in faith. That's what these people are doing. And, and we can minister to every one of you if you will let one of them pray with you. So uh, we want to offer them down here. This way we can pray with every person in here. If your faith has been quickened, if you know that God wants you well, and you now are ready to believe. You aren't just going to ask and wonder if it'll come to pass, but you believe it's His will, and you want to come down and agree with somebody and receive this miraculous power of God. I want to invite you to just get up out of your seat, come forward, and let one of our prayer ministers pray with you. And we've got people standing at each aisle, and what they're going to do is direct you to a person so that we won't all just get in front of one person or all be on one side 
I think it'll flow better. But if you need prayer, I'd like to ask you to just come forward right now and let us pray with you. We've got Alan down here that was miraculously healed of a stroke just a few months ago, supposed to be dead, and here he is praying for people. We got people that are operating in the power of the Holy Ghost, amen. The rest of you, if you'll wait just a minute, we want to give these an opportunity to get out of the aisles, and then I'm going to release you. Also, I'll be praying as these prayer ministers are praying with people. I'll be praying up here, and often I call out gifts of the Spirit, and we see people healed who are out here in the crowd, and we see a lot of good things happen. So you're welcome to stay and pray with us. But if you need to go, you're dismissed. Remember that we have all of our tapes, books, CDs, and things out there. And also, we have tonight's message already available on DVD and CD. Those are out there. You can pick those up on your way. And so please take advantage of that. Thanks for coming. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, Saturday morning. Saturday night, we're going to be preaching on healing, and I believe we're going to be sharing some things that will help you to get well. Hallelujah. Praise God. You're dismissed if you need to be. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just agree right now in Jesus' name, and we thank you that it is your will for every single person to be well. Father, we believe that you've already provided that healing and that you've given it to us. And so such as we have, we are releasing it into these right now. Father, we agree and we release the supernatural healing power of God to flow into these bodies. We command sickness and disease to be gone. Satan, we break your power and command you to loose these people and let them go now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there's some people here that as I was speaking, the Lord is just saying to me right now that you realize that what you're fighting isn't just physical, it's demonic that there's just a spirit that has been warring against you. And I think that that was a word from God to some people in here tonight. You know, if that's you, and if you, you know that's you, and this is fitting you, I want you to stand up so I can see who you are and raise your hand. And I'm going to lead you in prayer. And we're going to see this demonic thing broken over you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you that you gave us power over all the force of the enemy. And so right now, we resist you, devil. We command these sicknesses. We recognize this isn't just natural or physical. We command these demonic things to leave. We resist you now and command you to be gone and to leave in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Right there, I believe, is a deliverance. I believe those things are broken. Now, Father, we loose the anointing of God to flow into these bodies and whatever that demonic power did to affect this body, any part of their body that was damaged, we just loose your life to bring them back to health. And Father, we thank you. We agree and we receive this. We receive your anointing just flowing through them and re causing them to recover right now. Right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. 
I believe that's the power of God. I believe that you have been set free and from this moment on, your body's going to recover. In the past, you've tried, you've, you've seen uh, little bits of improvement. It just seems like it keeps coming back. That was because there was some kind of demonic thing afflicting you. I believe that's broken and now your body's going to recover. Amen. I believe your body's recovering now in the name of Jesus. Somebody here's got arthritis in your hands. Here's the healing power of God flowing towards you. If you got arthritis in your hands, I want you to stand up, hold your hands up so I can see who I'm praying for. That's you. Put your hands up. We're praying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Boy, you're wanting me to know you're believing. Amen. Father, we just agree. And right now, we thank you that arthritis is leaving them now. Arthritis, you be gone off of them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Loose them and let them go now in Jesus' name. And Father, we command that pain to be gone now. We command swelling and inflammation in their joints to be gone. We command any calcium buildup to be gone now to dissolve. We loose your anointing and command all of this arthritis pain to be gone in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Right there, begin to move your hands. Right there is the healing power of God. All of this pain's leaving you right now. Father, we agree and we receive this healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and thank you that we are healed right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You agree with that? Hallelujah. How many of you had pain, but your pain is already gone from this arthritis? This lady, her pain's already gone. Anybody else? Anybody else? Your pain is already gone. Here's another one over here. Your pain's gone. Anybody else? Right here's one that their pain's already gone. Lou, the pain's gone. Back here, another person. The pain is gone. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? There's one way in the back. You know what? God didn't just heal a few. He healed them all. That same healing power is in every one of your bodies. You need to believe that you receive now and then you shall recover. Sometimes it's like that fig tree. It may take 24 hours before what Jesus spoke is manifest. But I believe that the healing power of God has gone into your body right now and you need to expect to see total, total deliverance of it. Father, we thank you that by your stripes we are healed. It is a done deal. We receive our healing now in the name of Jesus. Somebody here has got a knot on your head. I believe it's over on the right-hand side of your head. I don't know if this is from falling down or maybe it's a growth or something. But somebody here has got a knot on your head, right-hand side of your head. Who's this? Right there is a lady. Anybody else here that's got that knot on the right-hand side? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just command this knot to be gone right now. Whatever caused this, I loose your word, Father. You told me that you were healing that. Right there is the healing power of God. I loose that anointing to flow towards her and command that not to be gone in the name of Jesus. 
And Father, we loose your anointing now to restore any damage that that's done to her body. We agree and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe you're healed. Is the knot still there? Well, if it is, it's going. I'm just asking, is it already gone or is it, is it going? It's going. Amen. Boy, that's going to happen. That's the Holy Spirit. That was a word of knowledge for you. I believe you're healed. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody here has been having pain in your back right between your shoulder blades. I don't know what caused that, but you got pain in your back right between your shoulder blades. If that's you, I want you to hold your hand up. Here's three, four, five. There's a number of people. Father, we agree, and right now we loose this anointing of God and whatever causes this pain in the back between the shoulder blades, we just command that pain to be gone and the root of that pain. Whatever causes it, be healed now in the name of Jesus. There's that anointing of God flowing through you. Now, pain, you leave. And whatever's causing that, be healed now in the name of Jesus. There's the anointing of God. Begin to move around right now. Bend in ways that you didn't feel like bending. Here's the anointing of God. I believe that you're healed. Amen. Praise God. Is there anybody that the pain's already gone? Here's the pain. It's already gone. Anybody else? How about this lady in the white? You doing good? Her pain's already gone. How about right here? You got any pain left? Nope. Pain's gone. Awesome. How about over here? Is the pain gone out of y'all? Here's a lady. Here's a, well, here's a bunch of them over here. Pain's already gone. Isn't that great? Thank you, Jesus. Man, that's a miracle, isn't it? Thank you, Father, for healing these bodies. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that these people are healed. Somebody's got your neck is swollen, inflamed. I don't know what caused that, but there's people here with a swollen neck from something. Who's that? Here's the healing power of God flowing towards you right here. Anybody else? Same lady that had the knot? <laughs> oh, you're getting all of it tonight, aren't you? Anybody else here that had a swollen neck? Your neck is swollen. Here's one over here. Anybody else? There's one way back there. Father, for these that have their hands up, we just thank you. I release the anointing of Jesus to flow towards them. Father, we believe that you gave us this power and now I release it in Jesus' name. Command whatever is causing their necks to swell, to be healed in the name of Jesus. Swelling, you leave them. Be gone off of them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Loose them and let them go. And Father, we receive your anointing right now flowing through their body. And we believe that that swelling is going down right now and whatever caused it is healed. From this moment on, they recover. Thank you, Jesus. We agree and we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all agree? Has anybody already seen the swelling go? I don't know if you can tell that immediately. Anybody? Was there anybody that had pain from that swelling and your pain's gone? Anybody? Over here, way over there. Is your
your pain gone? Praise the Lord. That's great. But you know what? I believe that God healed every one of you. Every one of you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we just agree. We thank you, Jesus, for your healing power. Here's somebody's stomach being healed. Well, you got a severe stomach problem. This isn't just somebody with a tummy ache. Somebody here's got severe problems in your stomach. Who's that? Somebody with stomach problems. Here's some back here. And one of our prayer ministers, amen. Anybody else? Here's someone over here and over here. Anybody else? If that's you, I want you to stand up and wave at me so I can see who you are. Praise the Lord. Father, I pray for these right now. And we thank you that whatever's wrong with their stomach, we know that it's your will for them to be well. Father, I loose your anointing towards them right now. Stomachs, you be healed. Whatever's causing this problem, go now in the name of Jesus. Father, we loose your power and anointing to flow into their bodies. And we command these stomachs, these digestive tracts to be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's the anointing of God flowing through you. Father, we receive this. Thank you that pain is gone. Whatever the problems are, gone. Father, we thank you. We believe we receive right now when we pray. Thank you, Jesus. We agree and receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe you're healed. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, we got a rowdy group right over here. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that good? Father, we thank you for these healings. Thank you for touching all of these bodies. Father, we believe that tonight that everyone gets healed, that they were all healed. Father, let this be one of those all nights where every single person manifests their healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive this miraculous power flowing in these bodies in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. You know, I believe the Lord spoke to me that some of you tonight just got encouraged to go out and minister to people at your job. If somebody's sick, man, just tell them that you'll pray for them. Remember what Peter did. He said, such as I have, give I unto thee. In Jesus' name, rise up and walk. When you go out to your business and stuff, just be bold and speak out. Just be bold and pray for someone. Release the power of God. And I believe that you're going to see miracles happen. I believe that's a word from God to encourage you to just be bold sharing the truth. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Well, it looks like everybody who came forward for prayer is getting prayer. Man, this is such a blessing to have so many people down here ministering. I believe we're seeing great miracles take place. 